So a little bit more. Our world has changed in unbelievable ways. In every single field, we are wealthier than we ever were before. We are more comfortable. We are cleaner, have better hygiene. We are healthier. We live longer. We have comforts our ancestors never, ever dreamed of. Almost every material around you is a modern material that never existed 200 years ago. Um, Everything is produced, everything around you is produced commercially in ways, means of production that were never imagined more than 250 years ago. Um, We have communication, I'm now on Facebook Live recording this class, communication that no, no one would have ever dreamed of. 250 years ago. Um, We have energy. We're sitting in a room with lights on. Who would have ever imagined um, that the room just lights up itself? We have transportation. None of you live within, or most of you don't live within walking distance of this place over here, but you got here this morning using modern miracles, um, whether cars or um, whatever other means you got here. Uh, We're able to travel across the world. We have medicine. We have health that never existed. Even our food quality wasn't the same. We didn't have the food quality that we have today, everything has totally changed. Now we generally, historians generally date the beginning of this change to the Industrial Revolution, which doesn't have an exact date. Nothing in history has, no major changes have exact dates usually. But generally around the middle of the 18th century or the mid-1700s. Around this time, it's thought to have started mostly in England, but really in other places as well. Around this time, they began to develop, firstly, machines, commercial production, the gin to be able to spin, spinning, being able to um, harvest cotton, being able to spin cotton, being able to weave, being able to, they invented steel, the ability to produce steel. They came up with the steam engine around this time, um, factories, commercial development, finance, financial techniques that were able to finance these things. And this all began around the mid-1700s, created this huge change that created this march to modernity that continued now, that has continued now for more than 215 years. And with time, science and industry and finance have managed to make huge strides, giving us what we have today. Cell phones, Facebook, Apple watches that are able to do EKG tests, <laughs> and even um, Teslas, everything that we have today, right? When you think about it, you don't even realize as you're driving in your car, a new invention, you, that, that could be a, um, a, a lec- uh, battery-powered car if, you're, if you've got that Tesla, and you're... GPS, which is running on data, speaking to communicating with satellites, is telling you exactly where you're supposed to be going. When you realize the amazement of what we have produced, what we've able to do. We have made more progress in every single decade since 1750 than the previous 5,000 years combined. 
Every single decade we've made more progress, and the speed of that progress has increased decade after decade for more than 250 years and sees no signs of letting up. It's hard to imagine the first iPhone came out in 2005. Right? So we all remember time when you did not have a, cell, a smartphone in your pocket. Right? Facebook began in 2005. Google in 1998. You couldn't Google anything before that. You're, you don't even remember that. Right? But, there, but there, were, there was such a time. Not... not not that far back. There was a time we didn't have Keurig machines, right? You had to make coffee the old-fashioned way with the coffee grinds. Right? This is going back within our own lifetimes, within our children's lifetimes. So our world has progressed. Technology has developed at an unbelievable pace. Now, what caused this sudden change? The march to technology that began around mid-1700s, has continued unabated. And even when critics said, our world is going to fall apart, our world is going to be destroyed, we've invented everything there is to be invented, they already said 150 years ago, we continue that march to modernization has continued and continues um, and presumably will continue. If we have cell phones now that 13 years ago we never imagined, let alone Uber, which is only a few years old, can you imagine you had to once actually call a taxi? It's hard to imagine, right? So, and this is only a couple years. So we don't even know what the next decade has in store for us. So historians debate when, when, what caused this to begin. Why did it start? What brought it about? And there's many different theories as to why suddenly, after 5,000 years of humans progressing at a snail pace, suddenly this huge avalanche of technology opened up and began in perhaps a corner of the world in northwestern Europe and spread very quickly all across the world. Today is everywhere and has just continued unabated. What let this development of technology loose? There's a lot of theories. I'm not going to get into them. There's, because I'm going to deal with one particular theory that we have in our Jewish traditions. And more importantly, what we're going to try to discover today is what does Judaism, what does the Torah have to say about modern technology? Is it good? Is it bad? It was written way before. What does it have to say? So, as you may well know, we once did a class on a book called the Zohar. The Zohar is a book that was written almost 2,000 years ago um, by the disciples of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. This is in the uh, late 100s, early 200s, uh, by the disciples of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. They wrote this book that is a commentary on the Torah, like a midrash, written in Aramaic, and it goes through many of the mystical parts of Judaism, many of the mystical traditions, or what's often called today Kabbalah, the, the mystical parts of Torah. And it's a very, very important book, very, very fundamental book. For hundreds of years, the Zohar was not widely available, and then for the last about 700 years, it's become very, it's become very easy to obtain, and anyone can study it. Now, the Zohar, most of the Zohar follows the Torah in order. And if you open the Zohar to Parshas Noah, the Zohar has a lot of very interesting predictions. But if you open the Zohar to this week's reading, 
And it come, the Torah tells us in this, this week that in the 600th year, when Noah was 600 years old, in his 600th year, that is when, which was in the year 1656 from creation, God opened up the floodgates of the heaven and the, or the windows of the heaven and the wellsprings of the earth all opened up and the earth became covered in water. Says the Zohar as follows. The 600th year of the life of Noah refers to the 600th year of the 6th millennium. In a number of places, the Zohar mentions that our world has six, our history has six millenniums, 6,000 years. We are in the year 5779. So we're close to the end. So in the 600th year of the sixth millennium, or the, of the, uh, the sixth millennium, which is the year 5,600, in that year, in the year 5,600, the wellsprings um, will open up. The wellsprings of the deep will open up. This is, and what are the wellsprings? The wellsprings of knowledge will suddenly open up in this time. What is that year? What is the year five? We're now 5,779. What year is 5,000? What year is 5,600? It's in the early 1800s, very early 1800s, 1840 to be exact. It's in the early 1800s, um, 1840 to be exact. And um, in that year, right, 170 years ago, in that year, a little before, around that period, that is when the wellsprings of knowledge are just going to open up. All the wellsprings are going to open up. And, it's, and it could even be the century before, because it's the sixth century of the sixth millennium, which would then be 1740. We go back to 1740. That's exactly when, seven, around the mid-1700s, is exactly when the Industrial Revolution began and when knowledge really began to develop. And so the Zohar really here is predicting... Um, that the Zohar over here is really predicting the future of knowledge in the last couple hundred years of the sixth millennium. The knowledge will just open up and knowledge will open up all over. And we will get this huge wealth of knowledge suddenly that God will give man. And we will then be able to develop new things. And we have done that consistently developing more and more and more new things. Now why? Why is God going to open up the wellsprings of knowledge? So that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just saying, that's like the knowledge, the wellsprings, is that knowledge, is that what you're saying? The wellsprings of knowledge. And, and he wasn't a prophet or anything? That's what the Zohar says. The Zohar predicts that around the year 1740, the wellsprings of knowledge will just open up. The floodgates of knowledge will open up. I have a question. Does that mean that inventors, the people, you know, who, like Sid Mead, who's like a futurist, does he have like a direct line from God? I don't know. Next week we're going to talk about astrology. No, no, no. no. I don't mean, no. Sid Mead was 
not that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But the Zohar does predict this. But what I'm asking is, do the people who invent things, are they like inspired by everything God? Everything that God gives us, everything that we have is inspired by God. Everything that we have, all the knowledge we have is given to us by God. God allows you to figure it out. God allows you to understand that everything we have comes from God. Some people give God gives more than others. So inspire some more than others. Yes. So the Zohar, again, the Zohar, the Zohar predicts that around the year, around the year 1740, the wellsprings will open. The wellsprings of knowledge will open up. In the middle of the sixth millennium, the um, the wellsprings of knowledge will open up, and. They will, and suddenly there will be all this, this huge wealth of knowledge, which indeed there has been. Science, technology has developed unabated for the last 250 years since about this year 5,500 that the Zohar predicts. Why, says the Zohar, this is all a preparation for the seventh millennium. What will happen in the seventh millennium? In the seventh millennium, everybody will recognize God there will be universal recognition of God. And all of the new knowledge that we will develop, all of this new knowledge that we will develop in towards the end, the second half of the sixth millennium, is all in order to bring us closer to understanding God. And so, as we march towards science improves, technology improves, the Zohar says the goal of that is all for us to appreciate God. Now, not everyone notices it. You have to know how to see it. But if you look closely at science and you look closely at technology and you look closely at all of our developments over the last 250 years, you will discover that it is all there to help teach us about more about God. The Rebbe explained, made a number of points where he would often point out things, modern things, things in technology, things in science, that can teach us and help us understand God. And I'm just going to mention, give you a couple of examples, a few very powerful examples, where if you look around you in different ways, whether it's help us better um, share knowledge of God, whether it's help us better understand God, help us better appreciate it. Here's one example. A basic belief in Judaism is that we are being watched at all times. In Pirkei Avot, it tells us, in Ethics of Our Fathers, it tells us that a person must know that there is an eye in Roeh, an eye that sees, an ozen shomat, an ear that hears, v'chol ma'asecha b'sefer nichtavim. Everything you do is written down. Everything ever that you do is being watched and being recorded. you got to be careful what you do. Even in the most secret of places. Says. Pirkei Avot ethics of our fathers. God is always with you. God is watching you at every single moment. No matter what you do. Good or bad. Nothing is ever forgotten. Doesn't matter how old you were at the time. Doesn't matter how many years ago you did it. Every single thing you do, you have to account for. It is all seen, 
It is all heard. It is all recorded. Every single thing you do. Now, once upon a time, for our ancestors studying Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, or other important Jewish works that spoke about the importance of remembering that God is watching everything. In Rosh Hashanah, we spoke about how everything is recorded and God has a book in front of him with all of our actions. For them, it would have been matter of faith. Everything's recorded. They couldn't actually picture it. They didn't know what it was like. With time, however, in the 19th century, we figured out a way to actually record pictures, to take a photo of an actual event and be able to keep that. Later, we figured out how to record sound, how to take sound and record that, put it into a digital format. Later, we figured out how to put it together and with reels be able to create video recordings. Now, at one point, they were fairly primitive. It took a long time until they became color. And at one point, it was very expensive. Some of you may remember the time you used to, wherever you went, you used to carry this big camera around with you, or these big VCRs, right? Uh, what are they called? The, the video recorders? Camcorders. Camcorders. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, so they used to, we used to carry these things around with us. But with time, with time, today, wherever you are, People you see all wherever you go, something happens, people are there with their, you have your cell phone on you, your camera's on you, they're easily, it used to be that after you had a certain amount, even if you had a security camera, you had to, it kept getting deleted every 24 hours. If you didn't catch it within 24 hours, you would lose it. Now it's recorded and it is kept forever. Now technology has allowed us to always remember and always see and always know that everything you do, whatever you say, it's recorded. Wherever you are, it's recorded. There is no off the record, whatever you do, there are people watching you. People have seen their, um, their pictures of themselves in their backyard um, on Google Earth, right? You could see, if you look on Google Earth, you see pictures of people sunbaking or whatever they're doing. It's all there. There's satellites watching you at all times taking pictures of you. No matter where you are, um, no, mat no matter where you are, everything is being recorded. We know, of course, that not only are other humans recording you, but God is recording everything. But technology has allowed us a much, much greater appreciation of the care that we need for every single action. And you see, I don't want to get into any politics, of course, God forbid, or any of the latest news stories. But one thing, one thing that you see, and one thing that's very powerful, without bringing in any right or wrong or, what, or any sides, is that something that someone does when they are a teenager, when they are a child, is still stands with them and is carried with them, even when they're many, many decades later, it's still there with them. And no one should ever think that there's something that you can do that will be forgotten. Nothing's ever forgotten. God is always there watching. Back then, in the 1980s, at least, they didn't have cell phones. 
Today, whatever you do is really being recorded, and it's on Facebook, and it's on Twitter, and it's there, and it's not going anywhere. It's not getting lost. Everything is being recorded. So we believe that, of course, not only are humans recording you, God is recording you, but technology has given us that ability to know that every single move we make, every action that we make has to be measured. You've got to be careful. You are always standing before God, and you are always being watched, and everything is accountable. So that's just one example of how technology has really allowed us to recognize God. Recognize God's omnipresence. Recognize how God is er everywhere because we're now living in an omnipresent world where everyone is everywhere. And you are never alone. Another powerful example, moving from perhaps a lesson of how we can see a basic Jewish value has become, more easily, e has become easier to appreciate, but to how we can um, spread... God's word. We have been told that at the end of times, the world will be filled with the knowledge of God as earth, as the water covers the sea. Everybody will know about God. Everybody will know about Torah. Everybody will know about what God wants from them. Everybody will recognize it. Once upon a time, you didn't really communicate very far. If you wanted to speak to someone, the furthest you could speak was as loud as your voice would carry. You couldn't speak any further than that. You wanted to go visit someone, and you could only get there as fast as the speed of the horse or the sailboat. But then in the 19th century, we figured out ways to communicate with each other. If we, we ran wires across oceans, we could communicate through telegrams. Later... Telephones. You remember the telegrams? Later, telephones. Then we had not just the telephones that were wired up at home, but then they got them into our cars at one point, and then we have them in our, in our pockets. Right? When somebody gets upset, they say, I was trying to call you, I was calling you, I was calling you, trying to get hold of you, what happened? I tell them, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, you would have tried to get a hold of me and I was somewhere and I wasn't next to a land, my home phone. You would have just had to wait until you left me a message and you had to wait. And 10 years before that, you couldn't even leave me a message. I was like, yeah, wait till I get to it. So then we also are able to travel anywhere. We're able to move. We're able to move around. We have these, build these big cities because we could all drive an hour to work every day. You think about it. You work 20 miles away. You complain that you're sitting in traffic yeah. and it takes you an hour to go 20 miles. Yeah. You think about 100 years ago, you couldn't work 20 miles away even if you wanted to. You would have had to walk. Right? You didn't have to take your horse and buggy. You wouldn't have even had that option. So, so our technology has may allow us to move and communicate in ways we never had before. But then in more recent times, with the internet, and now with cell phones, and now we have FaceTime, that allows us to communicate to anyone, anywhere. As I speak over here, I am communicating on Facebook Live, and anybody anywhere in the world yeah. is able to sit and watch me. I'm able to yeah. spread the word of God, spread these teachings all over the world. So our ability to spread God's knowledge once would have been a very difficult thing. Today, one of the, um, today uh, there are influencers. 
a new thing, how to become an influencer. You could go take workshops, how to become an influencer. Once upon a time, there was no such thing as influencer because you only influenced as many people could hear your voice. Um, if you had maybe, you could print, you could print books and influence people. But today, we communicate with so many people and every one of us have access to 8 billion people around us and we can, in theory, access every single one of them if we could just convince them to listen to us. And so we've seen how communication has made our ability to spread God's word. Now, there's also a lot of garbage that could be spread with communication. Technology also brings a lot of negative with it. But we've also had the ability to um, spread communication in ways that we've never been able to before. But perhaps the most, and there are dozens of other parts, details in technology, and every technology, you look at it, it has both given us practical application that can be used for what God wants, as well as we can, if we understand the underlying technologies, it helps us better understand our relationship with God. But perhaps the most powerful thing is <laughs> understanding the, the basics of modern science and modern physics have allowed, and even more so, the basics of modern um, technology have allowed us to understand our relationship with God, the relationship between creator and creation in ways that the greatest Kabbalists sitting hundreds or thousands of years ago, the authors of the Zohar were never able to understand. We have an understanding that they never had given to us by modern science and modern technology. So Judaism always taught, unless it's on what I just said before. Well, it just has to do with the fact that um, I was taught that technology is the downfall of societies and that it, it made man feel so great that he didn't need God, that he invented all these things, that he could do all these things. There are downsides to technology, but we have to recognize there are upsides. There are a lot of powerful upsides, and technology was given to us by God in order that we should be able to use it for the good. So Judaism has always taught that God is the force behind everything. God is an absolute being, is, includes everything. Nothing exists outside of the creator. Judaism further teaches, therefore, that every single one of us and our entire universe and everything that we know is all within the creator. Nothing exists outside of it. In fact, even further, Jewish teachings have taught that our world was created with God's Asara Mamarot, ten statements, ten utterances, and with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And using the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, each one infused with godly creative power, God creates every single existence and brings every single thing into being. And every single thing that exists is infused with God's creative power and is really not what it looks like. It looks like it's something. It's not really anything. It's really just creative power, just the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Not only that, if God's creative power were to disappear for a moment, everything would just cease to exist. If God's creative power would, exist, uh, would 
disappear for one second, it wouldn't exist anymore. Nothing therefore exists on its own. Nothing exists outside of the creator. Everything is within the creator. Nothing exists independent of the creator. Now, these are very difficult abstract concepts to explain. And we've had some classes in the past where we've tried to explain some of these concepts. Our ancestors knew about this. We're taught about it. The Torah teaches us about this. But they didn't understand in the way we do because they didn't have technology. Today, we've invented programming. We've discovered that if we create a... That we've discovered that if we create a processor with lots of tiny, tiny microscopic, tiny, tiny little points on the processor, points that could be turned and that are connected with tiny wires, that points that could be turned on or off, then essentially what we're able to do is with a byte system, we're able to create letters. And we're able to then use those letters to um, then create words and programming language. We're able to then use that programming language to then um, create instructions and actually instruct screens to, and even other machines to act in different ways. And we're able to create an entire digital world. If you try this, go to yours. You can do it on a browser, on any browser. Right-click your browser, meaning click the right button on the mouse and on the browser. And one of the options over there is view source. And hit view source. Instead of seeing the page, what do you see? You see all the code, right? You see all the code on the... It's not really a page. It's really just code. Now that code itself is being plugged into Java, into whatever other language it is, in order to be able to make it look like whatever it looks, which is really, really just electrons running back and forth across this processor. That's all it really is. It's just lots of electrons moving back and forth. So everything that you're seeing on the screen, all those websites, the Facebook, all those influencers, all of those people, they're just electrons. All of Google, the, all the trillion dollar value almost, of Google, everything that it has, it's simply electrons moving back and forth on processors. That's all it is. It's just letters. There are just letters and then on a more base, it's just electrons. What happens if someone flicks the switch to Google's, all of Google's plants? It goes dark. It's gone. In theory, we could turn off the whole internet in a second. All you have to do is flick the switch. A lot of switches because they have them in a lot of different places. But in theory, we could turn off everything in a second. All of Amazon, their trillion dollar valuation, it just, it, it's just they have their warehouses, but it's just the Amazon itself. It's just, it's just electrons moving back and forth on millions of computers, on millions of processors. That's all it is. There's nothing there. And you take it away, it's gone in a moment. We can understand now that our entire digital world, everything that we have, our communication, Everything that we are doing, our Google, all of our online purchases, our Uber, every other tool that we use, our phones that we live with, we can't 
go for a moment without our phone. Someone's phone dies, and they're, they're no, they can no longer survive when their phone. They've got to tra- get into the charger as soon as possible. Can't live anymore. Everything that we have, it's really just electrons moving on a processor. That's all that is. There's nothing there. So are we not real either? Judaism teaches that reality is really just the same thing. Reality was created with code. Everything that we have is simply code. Everything that we are, is sim- all of reality is simply code built on the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, not the byte system. It's a different system. It's not JavaScript. It's the Torah is the script that we use, that God used in creation. But all of our creation is simply built on code. Everything that you see around you is code. If you could right-click reality and hit view source, you would simply see the code. Now that, now that code itself, all that, all that you see, all that you see in that code is really just electrons moving back and forth. It's really just the godly force in creation that is keeping our creation into in existence. If God would flick the switch, it disappears. It's not there. This is something that we've been told for thousands of years. But before they had digital computers, they didn't understand this. Not the way we do. Because we live with it. This is our entire universe. This is what we live by. But then this goes a step further. Physics has actually discovered that the truth is the same way our digital computers work and the same way we've been able to build an entire digital universe, all of the technology companies all built on this digital universe that is simply electrons moving back and forth on processors. That's all it is. And it's simply electricity running This entire digital universe is really just a reflection of the universe that we live in. In fact, all of of reality, when you break it down to its smallest, smallest components, is really just the same. What you see in front of you, firstly, is really not there. It's just fields. There's no matter there. There's nothing there. Everything is really empty. The reason why you see it is because the light reflects off the fields. The reason why you can touch it is because the fields cannot, don't intermingle, don't go into each other, and because their molecules are held strongly together in hard matter, and therefore they're, they're not able to press again, but there's really nothing there. It's really just lots of little protons and neutrons um, spinning around very, very quickly. Um, but there's really, there's, there's nothing there. And even we've now discovered that even those protons are really just energy on the, on the lowest level. And we've really discovered that everything in our world is really just energy. That's all it really is. It's really just energy that has been developed in different ways and all um, works in different ways to make it look like everything it is. But in reality, it's not really there. Now, we don't know where the switch to turn off the energy that makes all of existence exist. We don't know where that switch is. Thank God. Because if we did, we'd be in trouble. But we do know, uh, we, we believe in Judaism, that God is that switch. God is the force behind all of creation. 
So not only has the digital world given us the best example of our relationship with God, we now understand, science now understands, that our entire reality is really just being held in place by these rules of physics, or these, um, uh, these um, fields, of, uh, by these fields, and our, um, our entire existence is really on the most basic level just energy. It's really just light or electrons. Um, it's really just energy moving. That's all of our world really is on its most basic level. There's just, it's just a power and energy. That's all it really is. And so what we now understand, we both have our digital world and all of our technology that can now help us understand our reality. And we now understand that we and everything that exists around us, including, of course, we now know that all of uh, all biology, including us humans, are really just DNA, right? We're just these fields of acid, uh, just these uh, long um, chains of acid. That's all we are. And um, we know that, uh, and also, just essentially programmed, and we know that on the deepest level, we're just energy. That's all we really are. Because our souls. Our souls are not physical. Our physical world. But our entire physical world is really then just godly energy. So we know, if we look at technology, and we look at science, and we look at what we have today, we have now discovered God has given us the tools to understand our relationship with him, to understand creation in ways that the greatest Kabbalists and the greatest mystics were never able to picture because they didn't understand this. They didn't have the science that we have today. They didn't live in the digital world that we have today. So yes, technology can be very, very dangerous. Everything in this world can be used for good and can be used for bad. One other thing the Rebbe would point out that we discovered already some time back is that the greatest power of energy, the greatest energy, is actually found within every single thing. The nuclear power, right? Nuclear power is essentially everything, right? Because everything is nuclear, in theory. Um, nuclear power is essentially in everything. Nuclear power can, is the most powerful thing that exists on Earth, and it can be used for good, to build... Um, uh, to build technology, we use it today for um, to cure cancer. We use it for um, we use it for power plants. We use it for so much good, and of course, it has terrible destruction. So every technology and every, every bit of wisdom that God gives us can be good, but can also be filled with terrible destruction. And it's up to us to choose. We choose, but God gave it to us for a purpose. And the reason why God gave it to us was not to use for bad and not to be scared of it, but to embrace all the technology that he gives us because every single new invention that comes up, whether it's the Tesla, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's Facebook, whether it's the watches that could do EKG tests, um, whatever new invention comes up, we believe, as the Zohar tells us, God gave it to us because we can use it in order to better connect to the Creator. We've got to figure out how. But every technology God is giving us is in order to better connect to the Creator. The reason why we've had this 
industrial revolution, modernity, the reason why we have this march and we believe it will continue, the reason why we've had this is in order to open us up to God and in order to allow the entire world to recognize and learn about God. And it has, we just have to be able to recognize it and it will continue. So that is the great power of technology. Next week we're going to talk about astrology and Judaism.